Okay, we are we're in First Corinthians this morning. Uh, actually, chapter one will be picking up uh, around verse ten, um, plus a little bit more introduction for our visitors, our new folks this morning. So let's let's open with prayer. <coughs> Father God, we do thank you so much for this book, for all the uh, different things it covers, for the things we can learn from it. The, especially all the practical stuff, Lord. And we just thank you for that. Pray that you'll, you'll bless us as we go through this book. And bless us this morning now as we uh, look at it, help us to understand and apply it in our own lives, Lord. We always ask for that. We ask this now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, now our habit has been to uh, read uh, the section to give us background and we've typically, each person will read one verse, we work our way back through, the, through everyone. If you don't want to read a verse, just say pass. You don't have to. Um, but we were going to start uh, verse 1, read through verse 17 this morning. So. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call, who call out on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace that God has given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ has confirmed was confirmed in you. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Uh, we're at verse 10. Thank you. Now I exhort you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow... Paul, or I follow Paulus, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephephus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. As it, as it turned out, the first time we read through this passage and got to verse 17 where it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, that was the day we had our baptismal service. <laughs> so I had to offer up a disclaimer. Um, <laughs> 
Um, Corinth is an, an interesting city. It's uh, in southern Greece. And because of the topography, the geology of the area, it land, it, they have a, um, a land route going one way and a shipping route going, they both cross there. So it's a commercial city. They have ports and, and land transportation, a lot of commerce going through there. Um, just a little bit on history, uh, Greece, you know, in the centuries before Christ was composed of city-states and Corinth was one of them. About 150 BC, uh, they were destroyed by Rome and the city was rubble for about a century. And then Julius Caesar rebuilt it in 46 BC. So now we're looking at around 50 AD, so it's less than 100 years old after uh, Julius Caesar rebuilt it. And he repopulated it with uh, a lot of free men from Rome. These were people who had been bond servants, had been slaves, and they'd managed to buy their freedom. And so he, according to the commentaries, he had an overabundance of free men running around Rome and he had to do something with them, so he shipped them all off to Corinth. Um, so that was how it was repopulated. So it's, it's got a, a Greek background, it's got a Roman background, and then it's a, uh, there's a lot of transportation routes that go through it. So they've got influences from Asia, everywhere. A very um, metropolitan type city. Um, it was also a very corrupt city. In those days to call someone a Corinthian is the same as today when, if we called someone a sodomite. The actual word Corinthian was meant to fornicate. So that gives you an idea of what kind of um, city this was. Um, they had lots of different problems. Uh, you know, First Corinthians is a long book. He deals with a lot of very practical issues. And I, a lot of the commentaries have um, outlines of books. And one by John MacArthur, instead of an outline, he just lists the topics. And so the topics covered, uh, we have unity, servanthood, morality, marriage, liberty, men and women in the church, the Lord's Supper, spiritual gifts, resurrection, and stewardship or giving. A lot of different topics, not necessarily all related to each other, but these were all issues that were troubling the Corinthian church. So Paul, at the beginning of this book, um, basically he tells them, you're, you know, you've been sanctified in Christ, you're saints. He starts by reassuring them because he's going to have to deal with a lot of problems and he's going to be kind of tough on them in places. And so he starts by reassuring them. Um, and again, he tells them also, you know, um, that this this book, it says in verse 2, he says, uh, with, with all who in every place call upon the name of our Lord. So he's saying, I'm not just writing this for you, I'm writing this for all the believers. I'm not picking on you. This is something that all the churches need to know, and uh, you're not being singled out for any reason. So he's trying to reassure them. Uh, he goes on and talks about... Uh, in verse 6, how the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. 
know, God had poured out spiritual gifts on this church. And that was a confirmation that they were in Christ, that they were saved. Um, they are also, he mentions that they're, you know, eagerly awaiting the return of Christ. So all these things put together is meant to uh, really aff- give them assurance of their salvation, that they're in Christ. And that as he goes on, he'll be kind of tough, but he's not picking on them. They don't have to worry that, you know, he's saying they're losing their salvation or anything. Uh, they just need the correction. So last week we, we started looking at the, the first problem, and that's in verse 10. It says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. And I look at that and I say that, you know, he asks that they all agree. Uh, that's not what we see in the church today. There's all kinds of, you know, there's First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, Fourth Memorial, uh, Presbyterians, you know, everything. We've all, we've got all these different groups and we all have something different. So, um, but he says, you know, it's really God's desire that we all agree. Uh, or at least there be no divisions, no schisms. And so we had talked about that last week, and I want to turn uh, to Ephesians chapter 4, because he brings up the same thing in the book of Ephesians. This is not something unique, again, to the Corinthian church. Ephesians 4 Would someone like to read verses 1 through 6 for us? Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so in verse 3, he's being says to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And as you go through this, he talks about uh, this section in Ephesians. He starts with attitudes. Um, and he goes through a list of character traits like humility and gentleness, patience, forbearance, and love. And that should remind you of another passage in Galatians. Do you know what those, all those things are? They're, they're the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So he's, he starts by talking about where our attitudes come from, from, from uh, the Spirit being in us. So that's the the attitude we should have toward each other. Um, one of the things that, that's always struck me is, you, you know, you look around and you look at every, all the other people in the church and you think, okay, Jesus died for that person. They are of infinite value to God. I should treat them that way. So there should be unity. There should be that. Um, in the Ephesians passage, he goes on and he talks about, I guess what you 
uh, called a, the structural basis for unity. We're in the same body. We're in the body of Christ. Same spirit, same hope, same Lord, same faith, same baptism, same Father uh, in God. So God has given us everything we ought to be unified. It's just basically our depraved natures that cause us to split and argue and, and uh, with each other. Now, one of the things that we, we do see Ephesians talks about, there's really one faith. Um, and when you think about truth, there, there, there can only be one absolute truth. You know, it's, it's the mind of Christ. I don't know what it is. I try to study. It, you know, God reveals a lot of it through the scriptures. I try to study because I want to know what that truth is. But I don't know it. There's a lot I can't understand. There's a lot that God doesn't reveal. And nobody else knows it completely either. But our goal should be to learn as much as we can. And something that I heard years ago was, if you're talking, you can't learn anything. <laughs> you can only learn when you're listening. Um, I had one really odd experience years ago while teaching something that I didn't quite understand. I actually explained it better than I understood it. And as I was, as I was teaching, I was thinking to myself, oh, so that's how it works. <laughs> so that's only happened once. <laughs> but normally when we're talking, we're not learning. Uh, so we listen. We have to listen. Um, and if someone disagrees with you, they have reasons for that. Somewhere they have a reason for what they believe, even if it's different than yours. And sometimes it's a good reason. Sometimes it's a bad reason. But at least you can listen long enough to hear what they're saying, and you might learn something. Uh, let's turn to James chapter 1. Someone would like to read verses... 19 and 20 for us. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay. Quick to hear, slow to speak. And don't get angry. How, how many times have you seen religious debates where people end up getting angry and just arguing with each other. Um, the scripture that says, don't do that. We need to try to understand what their point is, what their, and then think, how well does it fit into scripture? Okay, they have a different viewpoint on this than I do. I want to understand their reasoning behind it. And then I want to think, does this fit scripture or not? Good example of this is in Acts chapter 17. So let's turn back to Acts chapter 17. Someone like to read verses 10 through 12 for us. Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of the prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Okay. So the Jews in Thessalonica just outright rejected Paul, rejected everything he had to say, so he went to Berea. They listened, and then they went and checked the scriptures. And they would say, yeah, this does fit. This does explain a passage. You know, and Paul says, as Luke is writing here in Acts, they were more noble-minded. So that's what we want to be. We want to uh, listen and See if their reasoning makes sense. See if it fits scripture. Because we might learn something. Um, a really good phrase that I learned. Four words. You might be right. So if you're talking to someone and they have a different opinion than you, that's a really good phrase to use. Well, you might be right. The first thing it does is it, it lowers the, the temperature of the conversation, shall we say. They're more open because you're saying, I'm willing to listen. You might be right, so I'm willing to listen. Um, and more than anything, when we say it, we're also making a commitment that we will listen. And so we have to sit and listen to them. Um, one of the things I've run into, it, you get into a debate of any kind, and the other person's really not listening to what you're saying. They're just trying to hear your point so that they can figure out what their next argument is going to be to come, you know, answer back your point, and you just, it just turns into a, a combat rather than a learning experience. I want to take time now and look at a couple, some, some passages where Paul deals with, you know, this arguing over uh, and debating things. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Right, someone like to read verse 4 for us. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 4. They are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions. Okay. Um, I went to a church one time and I, I knew a guy, he, he could meet a new Christian and in five minutes he'd be arguing with him. He was just like this. It was, he thought he was defending the faith. No, he was, he was not. Uh, and let's turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Someone like to read verses 23 through 25. Okay, so don't get involved in worthless speculation. But you know, again, if, if you are talking with someone, it says with gentleness, correcting them. Gerald, can I ask a question on the previous verse? Yes. So the, the verse 3 talks about if anyone teaches false doctrines, and then it goes into being <coughs> conceited. Does that have... So there seems to be a difference of, like, he's talking specifically about false doctrines. And then yes. if, you, if you don't listen to those, if you're not listening to what God is saying, then you're conceited in this. So does that fit with 
Um, I'll, saying you might be right is not always the proper response. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll get to that. We'll, we'll, we'll look at an example of that here real quick. And so you want to like pull one verse out of context and then yeah. be like, you know how some people justify one verse because this piece fits. Eat, right. drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die, right? How often <laughs> do we hear that one taken out of context? Right. So I was just asking for clarification. Right. Um, Let's look at let's look at Proverbs chapter thirteen. Proverbs chapter thirteen and verse ten. Someone like to read that for us. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Okay, that latter part of that verse. Those who receive counsel have wisdom. Again, that's the idea of listening and learning. Now, sometimes there are certain types of points where, where this fits really well. And I, I can take an example from last week with Palm Sunday. We had a guest speaker. <laughs> Tim got up and he said, you know, I think that the, the group that cheered Christ coming into, the, into Jerusalem is different than the group that cried for his crucifixion. And then Robert got up and he says, no, I think it's the same group, but they just soured on Christ. So you have a difference there. That's the kind of thing where, you know, if you're going to sit down, you say, you know, you might be right. Explain to me why you believe what you believe. There might be something there I don't understand. And I might change my mind on this. You know, there's, there's no big doctrinal things. No, no false doctrine there. And, and the scriptures are not really clear that I know of. On the other hand, let's turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Someone would like to read verses 8 and 9 for us. Now, is Paul saying, well, you might be right? <laughs> Absolutely not. He's saying, let him be accursed. He's cursing them to damnation, basically, because they are polluting the gospel of Christ. This is one of those places where you, you do not tolerate uh, a difference of opinion. So, part of this is an attitude in areas where you can discuss things. You know, you're not talking about um, heresy or blasphemy or something serious like that. You know, and a lot of times in, when we do get into discussions and debates with people, it's over stuff that is not necessarily that significant. Um, and so in those areas, we need to be willing to listen. We can learn. And we also know where to draw the line and say, okay, this, this is clearly taught in Scripture. This is important. No compromise. So part of that takes, takes wisdom is to know which way you go on these things. Um, I enjoy when I have someone I can have a dialogue with. 
and we can talk about pros and cons of different explanations because there's a good chance of, of learning. They, they can learn, you can learn. It's the old idea of iron sharpens iron. Um, on the other hand, debates I don't necessarily have much use for because as soon as you get into a debate, neither one's listening to the other. It's kind of a waste of time, and I think that's what um, leads to these quarrels here that he's talking about. Now, in our particular uh, context in 1 Corinthians, um, the differences here are not so much theological as it is personality clicks. And so we'll look at that, looking at verses 11 and 12. It says, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. <clears throat> so Paul's gotten this information about these cliques from what's called Chloe's people. Some versions say household. Uh, the word household's not in the Greek, but it's very possible that these people, those who are of Chloe, are, are actually bond servants who either work in the home or work in a business. Um, there didn't seem to be a lot of employees back at around this time because I think at one time I've heard that half the people in the Roman Empire were bond servants. <laughs> you know, they were slaves. Um, so where we have employees and employers, they had slaves and masters. Um, But from this, they speculate that Chloe had enough wealth to at least have a household. She had servants working for her. It doesn't tell us whether she was from the church in Corinth or Paul is writing from Ephesus. She may have been belonged to a church in Ephesus. And it's possible that she did not belong to either church, but some of her people did. Some of her servants had been saved, and they belonged to one of the other churches. Um, one of the commentaries pointed out, if Paul is naming an informer from the Corinthian church, she might get ostracized as a result. So, you know, if, if Paul's considerate of that, she probably was not a part of the Corinthian church because she would have been really put on the spot by this letter. So, Paul hears that there's quarrels. <clears throat> Now, in verse 10, it talked about divisions, schisms in the church. These are just quarrels. It's not as serious. But Paul is taking it seriously because quarrels can lead to these divisions. And so he wants to head it off. And the divisions or the quarrels here seem to be about which preacher they like best. Who do you like best? First, we have Paul. Now, Paul seems to be very direct, very straightforward. He's not eloquent. He's not a philosopher. He just lays it out for you the way he sees it. And we can see that looking ahead to chapter 2. Um, does someone like to read verses 1 through 5 for us here? And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
and when I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, he does not have superiority of speech. He's not an eloquent orator. Uh, and then he also says he did not come in persuasive words of wisdom. So he wasn't a philosopher or debater type. Paul says, I came to you with a simple message, blunt message. The power lies in the message, not in how I present it. So that was Paul. Second, we have Apollos. Um, and we have a passage about him back in chapter eight in Acts chapter eighteen. Now the first part of this chapter in Acts chapter eighteen is tells what happened when Paul came to Corinth originally. So it's the history of Paul coming to Corinth. Uh, around verses eighteen and nineteen, Paul leaves Corinth and goes to Ephesus. And Priscilla and Aquila, he meets in Corinth, and they follow him to Ephesus. So Paul and Aquila and Priscilla are in Ephesus. Then Paul leaves and goes back to Antioch, which is his home church. And while he's there, Apollos comes to Ephesus. So someone would like to read verses 24 through 28 for us in Acts 18. Now a Jew named Apollos an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Achilla heard him, they took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Okay, so Paulus comes from Alexandria. That was in Egypt. That was a center of learning. That's where... Uh, Alexander the Great established the city, had a huge library. That's where they translated the Septuagint, the, the Greek version of the Old Testament. And that's where he came from. That was his background. He's eloquent. Excellent orator. Um, he comes to Ephesus. <clears throat> Priscilla and Aquila teach him more about the Christian faith because he was only... It says he only knew about the baptism of John, so he had not heard a lot of the, the, the faith, but he was, he, he was Jewish, he had a Jewish background, so he knew the Jewish scriptures really well. Um, and they taught him some more. And then it says he wanted to go to Achaia. Well, that's the region of Corinth. So basically he's going to Corinth. And then in the last verse it says he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So he was a skilled debater. So here you've got Paul, and here you've got Apollos. It's like opposites. But the message they brought was the same. 
They spoke the word of God and they spoke it truthfully. So that's a Paul, that's a, uh, Apollos, and then we have Cephas, which is, uh, I guess, the Hebrew name for Peter. Now there's no record that Peter ever went to Corinth. If he did, it was later than this. So, you know, why were some people identifying with Peter? Let's look at Galatians chapter 2. Someone like to read verses 7 and 8 for us. Okay, so Paul is saying he was, his ministry was to the Gentiles, to the uncircumcised. Peter's main ministry was to the circumcised, the Jews. So that it may be that the Jews who were in Corinth identified with Peter. Some of them may have come from Jerusalem. Maybe they had been saved under Peter's ministry and then they had moved to Corinth. But they identified with Peter. So, how are these, the, the people in Corinth, how are they judging these three men? Is it personality? Is it teaching style? Um, maybe it's, they're naming the ones who brought the gospel to them, who discipled them, or possibly who baptized them. <coughs> And Paul's going to argue about the baptism part of this in a little bit. Um, now, Paul and Apollos both ministered there. And so he will mention that again, uh, again in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. So let's look ahead and just see that he'll, he'll mention this again. In chapter 3, so we'd like to read verses 4 through 9 for us there. Yes, please. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not your men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his tasks. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. And verse 9, please. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Okay, thank you. So he's going back and dealing with, specifically with himself and with Apollos, because they both ministered to this church. Um, and he's telling them, we're just God's servants. Don't name us as, as the people you're following. You know, don't identify yourself with a certain teacher. You belong to God. We're just servants. We teach the word. God is the one that makes the growth happen. Um, 
you know, the, 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 the praise, the power, the devotion should be to God. The focus should be on God, not on the, not on the servant. Now in our passage, there is a fourth group. And they are the ones who say, I am of Christ. And there's a little debate about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. In a good sense, there may have been some who said, look, I don't want to get involved in all this quarreling. I know I belong to Christ. That's what's important. So that's a good attitude. But then there's possibly others who basically are, are the holier-than-thou crowd. You know, I don't belong to man. I belong to Jesus. You know, I, I'm better than you because of that. Let's, let's turn to 2 Corinthians, to chapter 10. Someone would like to read verse 7 for us. 2 Corinthians 10, 7. You are looking only on the surface of things. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he Okay, so they're saying, I am of Christ. And so Paul's addressing people here who say, you know, I'm more of Christ than Paul is, basically. You know, they're holier than thou, and they're comparing themselves to Paul. Um, and, and so here we see the, the potential that they're looking at it in the wrong sense. Um, that uh, they're, they're the holier than thou group. Okay, now we have mentioned already, we've looked at passages that talk about don't, getting, don't, don't be getting involved in quarrels. Uh, I want to look at a, just two more passages where Paul addresses this before we go on. Let's look at Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Romans 16, would someone like to read verse 17 for us? Now I urge you, brothers... To keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and stumbling, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. Okay, so we have two, there's two issues here. One is basically the teaching of false doctrine. You know, we're to watch out for that. The other one is someone who causes the dissensions in the church. You know, the body of Christ is precious to God. Causing divisions in the church is almost like a sin against God and Christ himself. Um, it's really, really uh, something that, that Paul hates to see and, and, and teaches against. Let's also look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Someone would like to read verses 9 through 11 for us here. That avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Through 11, please. Warn. 
warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, it had nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is sinful. He is self-condemned. Okay, so this... He's not talking about major doctrinal error in this in these two these three verses. He's talking about foolish controversies. Don't argue and cause a split in a church over something that's foolish and, and unnecessary. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to to go over this, you know, and kind of emphasize, you know, he's talking about people who identify with different pastors. Over the past few years. We've had three pastors in this pulpit. We had Everett Atkinson. We had Earl Brubaker. And now we've got Robert Zink. You might have a favorite among them. Style, personality, who knows? That's okay. But you don't debate and, and argue and put down one of the others because of that. That is divisive. That's damaging to the body of Christ. So um, that's just a warning. And, and that's something that, that Paul here really, really warns against. And I don't know if, if anybody in the church body is thinking along those lines, but if you are, don't. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, you become divisive, and, and, of, uh, and you're a threat to the unity of the body of Christ. So let's uh, put that away. Okay. Well, it's time to wrap up and end here. Um, Joe, <laughs> you're my favorite closer. You want to close for us? <laughs> Dear Lord, we do thank you for your word, for the way it instructs, for the way it guides, for the way it gives us insight of how we should be living our lives and what we, our relationship to you should be. We thank you for that. We think it's a living word. We thank you that you speak to us, to us through it. We try that we'll be open to what you have for us. We will be obedient to things you call us to do, that we will do those things you want us to do. We just pray for this hour that we've had, and we pray for the next hour that comes, that we'll be worshipful, ready to listen to you have for us. And Lord, we thank you for this season where you gave your, gave your son to be our Savior. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.